Hey, Aloha, football fans. This is Jeff Reimbold. This is Jeff Reimbold Show, and we are going to be live again with Ali Hodgkinson, our draft expert, and we are talking about the single most important position in sports, and that is quarterback in the National Football League. So, Ali, come on. We got to talk some quarterbacks here. We got a half an hour to take a first look at this class. Yeah, it's um, it's not great if you're a quarterback needy NFL team in 2023 NFL draft class. If we're being honest, there's some headliners. We, we'll we'll work back from the from the chaff to the wheat. Let's work, let's work that way. Um, there are some headliners next next year's quarterback class 2024. We're already there. Is hey, hey, wait a second, same- wait a second, wait a second. I hear that every year. It's like. It's like when you go surfing and you show and you show up and the, and the waves aren't very good and the guy coming out of the water says, "Oh, you should have been here yesterday. It was killer yesterday." <laughs> it's, hey, I, I want to talk about this because I, I think this is this is our first look and we are only in February, so we got a lot of time. These guys are going to move a lot on our board, uh, but I've got a list of six guys and then two other guys I want to just throw in there. And just get your initial impressions on them. I have not studied them at great length, but as we get closer to the draft, certainly we will. The first guy I want to I want you to give me a report on is an undersized kid that's athletic and extremely productive out of the University of Alabama, Bryce Young. Yeah. So if you're the Houston Texans, for example the Indianapolis Colts, for example, any team that's at the top of the draft that is looking for a quarterback, it's going to be one of two guys. And one of those guys for me is Bryce Young. I've currently got the thinnest of cigarette papers between Bryce Young and another guy we'll talk about shortly, I suspect, um, and labeling them as 1A and 1B, because I think there is that they're that close in terms of what they bring you at the NFL level, Bryce Young, there's, there's not a kid in college football, there's not a quarterback in this 2023 NFL draft class who brings the poise, the professionalism that Bryce Young brings to the football field. This is a Heisman winner in 2021, a kid who has been, like you mentioned, he's been productive, nearly 5,000 passing yards in 2021, 47 touchdowns through 15 games, thrown just 12 career interceptions as a two-year starter. And when you watch Bryce Young play football, it is the poise that stands out to you because he he came into Alabama following up Mac Jones, as who had that most productive and spectacular of seasons to win the national championship for Alabama. Bryce Young came in and there's not the same level of talent around Bryce Young, I don't feel, particularly this year, that other Alabama quarterbacks have had in recent years. But he leads from the front. His ice in his veins, however you want to call it, that's what Bryce Young has flowing through him. Um, the biggest games is when he shows up. And he did it repeatedly for Alabama. Put the team on his back, dragged them into a winning position. A season that, by Alabama's standards, was probably catastrophic. You know, you think of this program that should be winning the national championship every year. They didn't even make it to the college football playoff. Catastrophe in Tuscaloosa. Um, 
but but that's not Bryce Young's fault. And when you look at him as what he brings to the NFL game, he's very precise, laser guided passer, um, excellent ability to get the ball out fast, throws with velocity to all areas of the field. I would say he's a better creator than another guy we're going to talk about shortly. Um, he just he directs the offense so well. He's he's earned comparison to an, an NBA point guard for how he runs an offense. And I think that's a really good like comparison and description of of how Bryce Young runs an offense and, and will do at the NFL level. Now you you hit it straight on the head. Undersized, he's going to rock up and measure at the combine five ten and a half, five eleven max. Let's talk about him being potentially under 190 pounds. He was listed at 194 by Alabama. He, he he could be significantly less than that. Now there's talk that he's put on some good weight through the offseason, so he might be 190. But it's that it's not necessarily the 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 size at 5'10, 5'11. It's the whole package. That that whole frame is how will that stand up to the rigors of the NFL? So there's there's the size element. I but as good as his arm is in terms of the velocity he can put on passes, I don't think he's got the strongest arm in the class. Um, I also don't think he's the most the most accurate of the top quarterbacks. But when you package everything together, what Bryce Young brings to the football field, I think you've got a kid who is going to be a top three NFL draft pick um, come April. I, I, I think that from what I, and again, I'm, I'm, this is a preliminary evaluation. I saw an awful lot of throws that I really liked. Uh, my concern, and this is this is, you know, you you know this. This is this happens in the draft. There will be comparisons to Tua Tagovailoa in terms of his stature and his ability to handle the pounding of the National Football League. Now he doesn't come into the National Football League with some of the injury issues that that Tua did, but very similar type body to Tua's body. And, you know, you're, when you're talking about a 5'11", 190-pound guy, those are, you know, we, we see it every every year. You know, those hits, they, they add up. I like the kid uh, for all of the reasons that you talked about. And I think anytime you get an Alabama kid, you're going to get a kid that has been coached hard. He's been coached well. He has good football IQ, all of those things. Let's go up uh, to a place where they haven't exactly lit the world on fire with some pretty high-profile quarterbacks that came out of the place and just could never actualize it at the National Football League level, and that's Ohio State University for C.J. Stroud, a 6'3", big, strong guy. Yeah, we talk about the the weaknesses of Bryce Young's scouting report. That's the opposite for CJ Stroud. You said there, 6'3", 218 pounds, physical um, specimen, so NFL size, let's call it NFL size. Two-year starter who's been incredibly accurate as a starter, um, 69.3% completion percentage, two, three and a half thousand plus yard seasons, 40 touchdowns in each season, only six interceptions in each year as a starter, and a top four Heisman contender in each season with Ohio State. A kid who 
came in and replaced Justin Fields. And Ohio State quarterbacks, as you referenced there, they have this reputation in the NFL. I still believe Justin Fields is going to be an elite NFL quarterback. He's not in the right, he's not been given the right situation to succeed. But I think you you look at Justin Fields, he's still got that potential. Um, so CJ Stroud came in, replaced Justin Fields, struggled early on, and that led to some real attacks on his character, a lot of attacks on his ability to play the game of football. I remember writing up what I thought of CJ Stroud as a Heisman contender. And what it means to win that award isn't just the guy who throws the most touchdowns or rushes for the most yards or catches the most passes. Is a kid who displays integrity, perseverance, and hard work to get to the summit of the game. And that's what CJ Stroud did in 2021. He overcame all of that um, negativity, all of those struggles, and he emerged as what I think is the best quarterback in this 2023 NFL draft class. NFL size, NFL arm talent. He can he can make all the throws now. The knock on CJ Stroud is he's got he's had two first round NFL wide receivers in um, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. He's had a potentially another first round NFL draft wide receiver in Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's got a future first round NFL draft pick in Marvin Harrison Jr. and maybe even Amika Ibuka at his disposal but he makes the throws that allow those guys to be as good as they are. Far hash to the sideline, CJ Stroud can make that throw. Strong arm, quick release, velocity generation. He can throw accurately on the run. Um, And we saw in a couple of games, most notably in the college football playoff, the CJ Stroud can offer you creation capacity as well as a quarterback, which was one of the knocks coming in. We'd seen him struts hang in the pocket and, and do all this magicianry from the pocket, but he, he wasn't consistently a creator at the quarterback position. And that's one of the big, big knocks. And I think that's what NFL teams probably would like to see more of out of him, more consistency as a creator. Um, we talked about the, the, the quality of receivers. He can make all the throws. What you find sometimes with CJ Stroud, he doesn't lead the receiver into making yardage after the catch. You've seen a lot of highlight catches from guys like Marvin Harrison because CJ Stroud puts it on any and Harrison has to make that play, but it doesn't allow him to make anything else after the after the play. So you may you want to see him make a few more um anticipation throws. And then there's some there's some mechanical things that you might you'd like to see cleared up with CJ Stroud, but He's a young quarterback. He's a two-year star at a college level. He's got development to do. You don't come into the NFL as a fully polished prospect. No one does. Not even Trevor Lawrence, who we talk about as a generational prospect, generational. Um, there's there's still some things to clean up. His footwork could be better, um, both in terms of um, his footwork on the drop back, is how he positions his front foot as well when he's throwing the ball. But that for me, I think when you look at CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, they're so very close. I feel like CJ Stroud has just got that little bit more to him um, that will make NFL teams stand up and take notice come April. All right. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna take get us in the draft, man, and we are gonna head south out of Columbus, Ohio, to the bluegrass state of Kentucky to <laughs> go look at a quarterback who Sometimes you love him and sometimes you shake your head. Will Levis. I don't think there is a more polarizing prospect, full stop, 
but certainly quarterback prospect. There is not a more polarizing quarterback prospect in this class than Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. Kid who's got an NFL size, 6'3", 222 pound. He plays the game with a gritty ruggedness um, that just screams on field leader. Um, when you watch him um, strap a team on his back, it kind of reminds me of Sam Howell at North Carolina, how he's played the game for the Tar Heels. You know, when you need a guy to pick up some yardage on the ground as a quarterback, that's what Will Levis can do. He's a great straight-line athlete. He's well put together. He's churn out yardage with his a strong lower half, um, very much the same way that Sam Howell did. Um, as a as a thrower of the ball, there are few quarterbacks in college football these past few years who can generate the velocity that Will Levis can. I remember just before he transferred from Penn State to Kentucky, there's some videos of him um, just throwing um, in in the practice facility for Penn State, and I was like, Penn State let the wrong quarterback go. When they kept Sean Clifford in, they let they allowed Will Levis to leave, and and that's no disrespect to Sean Clifford. That's just you, you see a guy who can generate that velocity that Will Levis can, and it makes you go, "Ooh, boy!" And he can throw it with you know he can he can do that from multiple arm angles as well, which is is really impressive without any drop off in his, in the velocity of his throws. He's got very sort of easy natural zip generation, um, but then there's there's some downside, like you say, he is. You sometimes you love him, sometimes you hate him. He is polarizing. His natural physical tools as a quarterback are kind of offset by some of the more cerebral elements of the game. Questionable field vision, quite often stares down receivers, very inconsistent in terms of his distribution um, of the ball. Like we talk about the velocity generation, he needs to know when not to absolutely rifle it into his guy. Like if you're a, if you've been a Kentucky receiver for the, for the past two years, I look at a guy like Dane Key, who was a freshman for Kentucky, who was incredible talent. But if you're a, if you're a wide receiver for Kentucky, you, you've got to have like lead gloves or something to handle some of these fastballs from Will Levis, because he does not know when to take a little bit off. And, and that's the concern with Will Levis is what are you going to get at the NFL level? in terms of a guy who can come in and and read what a defense is giving him, who can make pre-snap and post-snap adjustments, who can throw the ball with touch, with anticipation, and and just make consistently good passes and good decisions. And I think that's where you're up and down with with Will Levis comes from. And, and you talk about production with Bryce Young, and we talk about production with CJ Stroud. He's never cracked two and a half thousand... Uh, Never cracked more than um, an, an average of two and a half thousand, two thousand six hundred passing yards with uh, for Kentucky as a two-year starter. He um, double-digit interceptions in each of those years. Um, there's a lot of question marks over Will Levis for a kid that is really being hyped up as a potential first overall pick um, by a lot of sources. I, I don't see that. I think for me, he's a solid fourth quarterback in this class. Um, I think there's a guy that sits between him and Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Um, I, I think if you take Will Levis first overall, you're, you're dicing with your career as a, a GM or a, a head coach, <laughs> honestly. 
Well, I, I don't I don't think there's any question. I I hear that talk about first overall pick and I just shake my head. Now, I understand that when you talk about velocity generation and big arm and, you know, all the throwing off all the, you know, foot platforms that aren't good, you know, it's a little bit like this is where, you know, players, you get that like player, right? Like he's a like player. Well, a lot of what you said are things that could have been said about Patrick Mahomes when he was at Texas tech, right? He can throw the ball out of the stadium, right? Doesn't, isn't exactly a touch thrower. Doesn't sometimes puts the ball at, in, in harm's way, but you know, would t- put the team on his back, you know, and I, I, there are a lot of similarities, but I don't see. <clears throat> and I think this is where the, those interviews are going to be so critical with this kid do you feel you can coach that out of him? What do the coaches at, at Kentucky say? Are they going to really be honest with you and say, well, double-digit interceptions scares me, right? And Sam Darnold was the last one that came into the league with, in my opinion, too many interceptions, and people just kind of overlooked it because they said, well, he's young and we'll coach him and all that stuff the coaches say. But I think that's going to be an interesting one. Let's stay in the SEC because I got two guys I, I got to ask you about. <clears throat> and both are intriguing because they are the big, you know, NFL stature, big arm, great athletes. Um, one's coming off an injury in, in uh, Hendon Hooker at Tennessee. And then Anthony Richardson at Florida, you know, six four guy that's got four four speed that I'm sure a lot of people are going to say, man, oh man, we got, that's a piece of clay we got to work with. Let's start with Anthony Richardson because he's the guy that slips um, seamlessly in between Bryce Young and Will Levis for me. You mentioned it there, 6'4", 236 pounds. This is the, the probably the most um, physical measurable type quarterback to Cam Newton that we've had in the in an NFL draft process for some time, you know, that big, physical, but hyper-athletic quarterback, which is what Anthony Richardson is. A ludicrously athletic at the quarterback position for his size. It's not just the speed. You referenced there, potentially 4-4 guy in the 40-yard dash, but it's the twitch. It's the ability to change direction. It's the, the lateral agility that he brings into that. And he... He uses that in t- to, to maneuver the pocket, I think, very well. Um, and obviously what he creates for himself as a scrambling quarterback or on design runs, you know, he's nine rushing touchdowns this year. He's only here as a starter. Um, over a 1,000 rushing yards in the contributing over three years for Florida. Again, this was his only year as a starter. So he, he brings you that incredible scrambling, creative quarterback but he's also got an arm on him, an absolute cannon. Hits the deep third, generate, you know, feel like a broken record, but he can generate that velocity, short, intermediate, can hit the deep third. Um, the physical tools are, are all there for Anthony Richardson. I don't think he is as much in need of development as has been stated. There's reports that... Anthony Richardson's never going to play in the NFL for two years because he needs this development. Yes, there is development for sure. Accuracy, um, 
this, you don't know where the ball's going to go sometimes when it comes out of Anthony Richardson's hand. You know it's going to go far, it's going to go fast, it's going to fly out of his hand. But sometimes there's a wide range of outcomes of where that ball might potentially go. Um, and that accuracy issues comes down to a, a couple of things. Mechanically, um, there's some footwork inconsistencies when you watch Anthony Richardson's tape. Some of his upper body mechanics are, are in need of some fine tuning. He's got a, a a bit of a long winding release um, as a as a quarterback, which again doesn't doesn't help with um, a range of of outcomes as a as a passer. So there there are things that need to um, clean up in his game. There is some reading of the game that he needs to clean up as a passer. But in that element, I don't think he's as far behind as people do make out. You watch some of the decision-making in action that kind of defies belief. There's a couple of plays this season for Florida where you're like, A, how does he do that? B, why has he done that? But when you, you sit and you break it down, it's, yes, he's got the athleticism and the physical tools to be able to do it, but you can see that Anthony Richardson sees this isn't going to be an option, sees this sees this guy coming, knows this guy's going to do that, and, and acts accordingly, and he's got the athletic ability and the, the physical tools to be able to act on what he's seeing. Um, so I think, yes, there is some some development need there from, uh, from a, a reading of the game perspective. I don't think it is as much as people want to believe at this moment in time. All right, let's let's talk about Herndon because or Hendon Hooker because again, a guy that was, you know, really revitalized the program with you know uh, when Josh Heppel went in there and you know they changed the offense and you know they they were a dynamic dynamic offense had an injury that's going to be a factor. I think people are going to have to evaluate that very closely but what's your what's your opinion early of Hendon Hooker let's work backwards with Hendon Hooker because we've we've started with the positives for each of these guys and then we've ended with the negatives let's start with the negatives you brought up there the injury he is coming off a, a serious injury that um has the ability to be detrimental to how he plays the game and is an NFL um GM how do you know what you're getting with Hendon Hooker coming off of that injury? Um, particularly if you're thinking of drafting him high, particularly, you know, maybe high second round. There's some teams in that kind of range that, that would need a quarterback. If they miss out on one of the top four guys at the top of the draft. You're then thinking about Hendon Hooker in that range. Um, so there's the injury, there's the age. He's going to be an older rookie. And while that shouldn't matter, we do know that it does. Um, because you're not going to get the prime years of the guy where a lot of his where a lot's probably a bit harsh. A chunk of his game is predicated on what he can do as an athlete. How long are you going to get that prime athlete for if he's already 25 when he hits the NFL field? Um, he's played. He's a multi-year multi-year starter compared to these guys we've talked about. CJ Stroud, two years, Bryce Young, two years, Levis, two year starter, Anthony Richardson, one year starter, and the Hooker's essentially four years of starting experience um, across two very different offenses. And he's been most productive in an offense that doesn't contain a lot of what we deem NFL concepts. And I think when you look at 
his inability to produce at Virginia Tech. That's a that's been a difficult program to produce him for for multiple quarterbacks, um, but his inability to produce in that, and then bosh, he gets into Josh Eiple's offense, and it's you've got two really fast wide receivers who are also one of them six foot three. You've got a kid who can take the pressure off you in the running game and Jabari Small. You've got a lot of one read and out. You've got a lot of RPO stuff. How will that translate to the NFL for Hendon Hooker? So I think they're the things that are concerning as it pertains to Hendon Hooker in the NFL draft. But you look at his throwing motion. This is a kid who easy, beautiful throwing motion, delivers a really tight spiral, effortless almost velocity generation, very exciting as a passer, very exciting as a, a creator, a short area burst. You know, he's he's not as fast as Anthony Richardson, but his short area burst gives him that, you know, leg up against defensive ends, defensive tackles, even linebackers. Um, he can evade very well. Good. One of the things I like with Hendon Hooker in terms of that mobility and creation capacity, very good vision as well. Like this is a kid who can see a lane. This is a kid who can see a linebacker coming out of nowhere, a cornerback coming downhill to hit him in the mouth. You see it, acts accordingly. He's got the athletic ability to to be able to act on what he's seeing. Um, so he's there's a lot to, there's a lot to like about Hendon Hooker. We talked about the inability of some of these guys to throw with touch and anticipation. Hendon Hooker doesn't have those problems either. He's got a lot of um, a lot of weapons in his armory in terms of the throws that he can make. And there's just those those very real concerns about Hendon Hooker in terms of injury, age, the the productivity, and then what we would deem as not a pro style offense. Um, and often his pocket presence isn't the greatest. You know, we talk about a kid who can do all this magicianry with his legs, but sometimes he'll just stand in the pocket when he's asked to read more than a couple of, and it and that's it's all breaks down for him then. Um so I think he's the he leads a group of quarterbacks behind the top four. Because this quarterback class has been somewhat decimated by people going back to school. You look at Sam Hartman going back to school. You look at uh, Grayson McCall out of Coastal Carolina going back to school. There's a lot of quarterbacks that would have fell in a similar range that have gone to school, uh, gone back to school, and it leaves a kind of almost desperate situation behind the top four quarterbacks. I really like Jake Hayner out of Fresno State. Um, he showed up at the Senior Bowl. He's cerebral. I had the opportunity to talk about um to talk with his teammate. You know, we talked earlier. Um, it might have even been the the last week's show we talked about talking to these kids and finding out what's behind what you see on the screen. I, I sat down with Jake Hayner's teammate, Jalen Cropper, the wide receiver out of Fresno State, about Jake Hayner. And you there you get a picture of a kid who turns up week in, week out gets in the film room, drags everyone else into the film room, a real leader, brings people around him. And at the quarterback position, we've seen it this year with the last the last draft class. Who was the only kid who started in 2022? Kenny Pickett. What was Kenny Pickett's game? He clever. And obviously had some physical tools too, but you could read the game and he was the only one that started out of that draft class. If you look at a kid like Jake Hayner, that's the sort of thing that he brings to the table as a as a prospect in this class. Okay, now, I am so fired up because that was my guy. That was my dark horse. 
He's not big enough. He's athletic enough. Um, but I'm going to tell you something. We played them, and he diced us. And I mean diced us. And you couldn't fool him. You couldn't hide coverage on him. He understood where free rushers were coming from. He got the ball out of his hands. Like, he's got a really quick release. He's not prototypical in terms of his stature. I would say he's probably 5'11", I would guess. And, you know, it's always going to be that with, with a kid like this. But I'm telling you, when you saw what he did when he went to the Senior Bowl, and I, I, the way he competed the night we played him, I, I was just really I, – I haven't been that impressed with a college quarterback in, in a while. And I really like that kid, Jay Kaner. Another guy, I, I think that's people are going to say, you know, he, he was a walk on when he came to Georgia. He's kind of like, you know, it's almost like people think they won the national championship in spite of this guy. But I'm going to tell you, watch out, Stetson Bennett. He may be a career backup, but he's, he's going to be a guy that somebody's going to take and get some value out of, I think. I got in a small spot of social media bother about Stetson Bennett because I said this to me feels like a kid who doesn't want to play in the NFL. And very quickly, Stetson Bennett's lawyer asked me why I got that opinion from. Um, and it took me down the road that I probably don't want to travel down again. Um, but he, because you, <laughs> you, you look at you look at um, you look at what Stetson Bennett has done publicly. Let's let's be careful how I phrase this. You look at what Stetson Bennett's done publicly in terms of the draft process. He could have gone to the senior ball, he didn't. He could have gone, yeah, he could have gone to any of the all-star games, really, and answered some of these questions that linger about him in terms of what he can deliver for the NFL. So he, he decided not to do that. Then he went playing knockador run in Dallas while off his face on a few Bud Lights. Um up until I made that statement about Stetson Bennett not wanting to go to the NFL. He would not publicly sign with an NFL agent either. Um, So there was very much like a a feeling that does Stetson Bennett actually, is he bothered about chasing an NFL career? Like, because let's be honest, like his football career can only go downhill from here unless he wins the Super Bowl because he's a hero in Athens. He's a two-time national champion. Like that, that where do you go from here other than winning the Super Bowl for an NFL team? And how rare is it that you do that? Like, it's you know, it's one quarterback a year does it. Um, so it's yeah, it was it's one of them. He's it, it is something about Stetson Bennett, right? Like, that you can't put your finger on it. And this is why one of the we talk about this at work quite often. It's he's one of the strangest quarterbacks. NFL draft prospects because you kind of feel like he shouldn't be a prospect. He shouldn't have had the success that he did, but you can't put your finger on why. And he, and he has, and it's, yeah, that's going to be something that's really interesting. I think to watch play out over the next year, you know, year, two years is, is what happens with Stetson Bennett. Well, I, I hope he, I hope he gives the NFL an, a, a, a world because I just, I, I just fell in love with him when I watched him play. 
You know, I mean, there's a lot of things. He's not big enough. He doesn't have a strong enough arm. He's not athletic enough. There's a lot of, eh, 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 eh. but, and I know he's on a great football team, but he got into some shootouts in the playoffs this year and had to deliver throws and had to deliver plays and did it at the highest level in the biggest games against the best competition. So that's why I stuck him on my list just as a guy to kind of watch. And then um, I think it's going to be interesting as we go through this, we'll come back and we'll reshuffle the deck a few times with these quarterbacks as we get closer to the draft next week, as the NFL turns more to a 70 30 pass run ratio, we're going to look at the wide receivers because this is a class of wide receivers. Yes, sir. Uh, sorry, sorry, Ali. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, it's, it is a class of wide receivers. I really like this class. I really do. It's funny because I was like, I was laughing at what you said about the quarterbacks. Like, let's let's go to twenty twenty four, right? So I, I can't wait to see what's going to happen in this draft. There, I'm, we'll, we'll get one question in. Jeff, feel free to answer. Ali, feel free to fire in your thoughts after. This guy called Fred Flung from Dublin sent a message in recently, Jeff, saying, "Should should or will the Cowboys draft a CB or a, a running back? What do you reckon?" Well, I I think the Cowboys are in a kind of a unique situation. Um, you know. I, you gotta we don't know about Pollard's injury. That's kind of the the you know the one that you can't call because I'm not seeing a medical report. I you know I don't talk to the to the doctors. I obviously Zeke is at the end of his reign, I think. And I and I I think you know they're gonna have to make a decision about whether they want to bring him back. He said he'd come back for less money. Um, but again, uh, you know, it may be time to move on there. I don't think I'd take a running back high. I think there's enough running backs around. I think that's been proven with guys like Pacheco and Pollard himself that you don't have to take them in the first round to get first round production. If I'm the Cowboys, you know, I I think they need another receiver. And I think you can always use defensive backs. I mean, you can never have enough good defensive backs or pass rushers. So that's kind of my take on the, on the Cowboys. We'll get into the Cowboys as a football team as we go through this, these uh, podcasts during the, uh, I won't call it the off season, the not on season. What do you reckon, Ollie? Yeah, for me, when I look at the Dallas Cowboys and I've, you know, written, feels like I've been writing mock drafts since May and that's actually because I have. Um, I, I look at cornerback as a real, real need early on for the Cowboys. Just right, this, this running back class is fantastic all the way down the field. So you're going to get a good running back later on. Um, the, to be fair, the cornerback class is superb. Um, and the Cowboys, where they're picking sort of early 20s, you, you're going to be able to get an instant playmaker at cornerback. So I look at that wide receiver, as Jeff said, potentially tight end. You look at a guy like Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame or Dalton Kincaid out of Utah, who pass catching tight ends fills that that fills that need for the Dallas Cowboys in multiple ways. Um, but yeah, the 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 defensive back situation is something that I think they'll need to pay real attention to over the next couple of months. The Jeff Rimble Show now available on Deezer, Apple Music. On various different podcast platforms, just search Jeff Reinbold on your favorite podcast platform. Jeff, Ali, uh, Aloha. See you next week. Yeah. All right, fellas, Aloha, and let's bring on the wide receivers.